Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be the quickest introduction of all time. Why? Because I am disorganized. I'm not disorganized, actually. I've been very organized. I just... I've had a lot on this week and I haven't had a chance to do the intro properly. I mean, in the middle of this intro, I could get interrupted by the girls. It's fine, fine, keep going, keep going. What? The pizza's not here yet, honey, sorry. But (laughs) pizza's on the way. Listen, I hope you're all uh, safe. It's snowing in Ireland. It's kind of dangerous over here at the moment. Um, I've got loads of gigs coming up. And thank you all for your lovely messages for um, the podcast that I did on the Des Bishop podcast. What's that, dear? Oh well, we got the pizza's coming. Come here and sit down with Daddy, and we'll finish doing this introduction. Is that okay? Sit down with me. I'm nearly done. I'll put I'll put one up to your ear so you can listen. I'm just telling them all that I'm very disorganized at the moment, and that's why I'm doing this late. So here, look, here's one earphone in. Do you want to say hi to everybody? Hello. Say hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. Um. Anyway, so I was as I was telling everybody here that I've got loads of gigs on. Thank you for all the messages for the Des Bishop podcast that I was on. I'm going to be doing some shows at uh, the Comedy Crunch coming up. Follow me on Instagram at Hello Steve for all the latest um information on the gigs that's going on. And didn't Daddy? This is Daddy's fiftieth episode. Daddy Number fifty. This is number fifty. We're number 50. Number 50, exactly. So we made it to number 50. There are only two more episodes to go of Hello Steve-O podcast, and we are delighted to get this far. An amazing guest today, the wonderful Terry O'Neill. Hey, sorry, I stopped there because you... Don't take it off me. I, I'm, re- I'm nearly finished. If you want to say something, go on, say something. Hello, yeah. hello. Hello, everybody. Tell them that we're having pizza for dinner. No, okay, let me finish this. Honestly, honey, I'm nearly done, nearly done. Uh, it's okay, we're nearly finished. And Terry, t- listen, Terry who just called over to the house there. Terry who called over, you said hello to him, didn't you? Terry. Terry, exactly. And Terry is a was a boxer? <laughs> he was a boxer. And he is a stand-up comedian. Comedian? He tells jokes. What does daddy, what's daddy's job? What's daddy's job? Tell tell them in the microphone. What's Daddy's job? Uh, <laughs> she's, she was asked the other day, "What's Daddy's job?" She said, "Jokes." Um, Terry's a stand-up comedian, but he's an amazing actor. He's been in some amazing stuff. He's been in Love Hate. He's been in um, the world-renowned uh, film The Meeting, as well as loads of other stuff. I was actually in Rebellion, a TV show with him years ago. We just remembered. It's a fantastic conversation. We chat loads about boxing. Yeah, you can touch it then. Go on. They're all okay. <laughs> I'm sure they are all okay. 
Stop licking it, please. Tell them, tell them, did you enjoy ballet class yesterday? Yeah. And did you, do you want, do you want, will we do some ballet for everybody? They can't see you. No, you're not doing it. Um, is daddy good at ballet? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, tell them to enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show, guys. Episode 50. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's an honour. It's an absolute fucking honour to have in the house Mr. Terry O'Neill. It is an honour. It is an honour. You're right, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) It's very aggressive. It's a fucking honour, right? (laughs) I mean, you made it in in bloody tough conditions. It's brutal out there today. The weather. It's appalling. That's a said, you're honoured. Yeah, I am honoured. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I know, I knew you were calling me. Going, oh, please just call this off. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a postponement. The sorts, all right. Yeah, I won't lie. But you had it. I mean, so you were working this morning. You were training this morning. Yeah, I was training people. Like, if you're from the social welfare list, and I was not working this morning. Oh yeah, not at all. Not at all. No. Me and I'm not making any money for this podcast either. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so you're training bo- boxing training. Yeah, I was training a couple of people in underdog boxing this morning. So it was kind of a busy morning there. Six fifteen. <sighs> open up the gym myself holding the fort right Gee, so last you th- man standing so yeah. you're get you're going in there getting people in before they go to work is yeah, that the idea that, yeah yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of like you know, mostly they're not boxers. They're just okay. Joe soaps. They're they're yeah. they're suits. You know what I mean? Yeah, Walk yeah. around the area. Yeah, and they're just they're just are they just doing it to keep fit, or do they get and do a bit of white well, collar? Yeah, no, most of them. Mostly they just do it to keep fit. They just yeah. enjoy the boxing training. But a lot of them kind of get um, really sucked in with the technical aspects and stuff. Right. Really wanting to pursue it, like in yeah. and a few of them had a few fights and stuff. But mostly it's just you know the first they will go is a bit of light sparring, say. Right. Okay. Aiden Aiden Bishop was in there before. I said to him, "Do you uh, just spar with Terry?" He was like, "No, bro. No way, bro. You don't. You don't spar with Terry." <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a bit of a drunken, uh, drunken sparring really? in one time before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No gloves. No gloves. No, no. We had gloves. Actually, we had yeah, gloves. Maybe we had one to. each. You'd you know, like a to. fight you'd have with your little brother or your cousin yeah, as a yeah, child. Yeah. Just jabs. One, one, one glove each to settle the argument. Yeah. <laughs> um. So how long ago? Like you've you've a fascinating career, really. But so how long are you boxing now? Start with the boxing. Well, I mean, I ha- I don't box anymore. I certainly right. wouldn't consider myself a boxer anymore. Okay. I would say I'm an ex-boxer. Why is that? No, because because you don't compete anymore. Well, I don't that? compete no. So yeah. I would feel I would feel embarrassed to ever say, "Oh, I'm a boxer." You know what okay. I mean? I'm like boxer Terry. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, it would just be a bit disrespectful to people who are still getting punched in the face every day. Okay, of the week, fair you know enough. I mean? So yeah, yeah, I spar occasionally. I still do spar sometimes. Yeah, but um. You know, again, I spar people who I train and stuff, so it's yeah. not really, yeah. you know. When did you stop competing? I suppose like nine years ago now, good nine. few years ago. Right, okay, yeah. so you, like your mid-twenties kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, early twenties, yeah. And, and you started, you, you must start fairly young to get good at boxing, don't you? Yeah, so I was I was 12, I was almost 13, which right. I know it's quite young, yeah. but actually even at that age it felt, there was a few I was people quite advanced. Already, yeah, yeah, I had to yeah. make up ground on all the lads who start when they're six and seven and eight years of age. So they do start that young, right? Yeah, and some of them do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I've watched so many videos of Floyd Mayweather's young mm. fellas going at it. It's like mental. Well, Some Mayweather the, himself was basically born with boxing gloves on. He always that's says. right, yeah. He had no choice. Yeah. His father, his Roger. uncles, they were all pro No, Roger's pro his uncle, sorry. Roger Flo- Floyd, is, Floyd Sr. Floyd Sr. was a professional fighter for Sugar Ray Leonard. Yes. Uh, his other uncle fought Oscar De La Hoya, I think. And then his uncle Roger, Roger was, the, Roger was the Black Mamba, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he yeah. fought Julio Cesar Chavez twice. Right, he was world yeah. champion at two different weights. He was yeah. good, you know. No, he was no Floyd. 
yeah. he's no Floyd Jr. He's by far the best there. So he's way better because Floyd Sr. had an interesting style in itself and like he started doing the, the yeah. Philly shell and all that kind that of crap. That kind of the shoulder roll defense yeah. with the left hand low. And was that right common at the time or was that like... Um, I suppose it's kind of it's like it's almost like a bit of like you know like a postmodern comedian bringing back an old kind of school style. You know okay, what I mean? Right. Almost like it in a non-ironic way. Like mm. he, he uh, if it would have been an old like Archie Moore, Jersey Joe Walcott would use these kind of techniques in the fifties, no, the forties. Yeah. Right, okay. Right. So he bring it back, and then someone like James Tony, Floyd Mayweather, in the in very much in the nineties, where it became popularized again, and now yeah. plenty of fighters do it again. Yeah, it's it's all coming back. Mm. But I see, um, yeah, all sorts of people doing it, but Floyd was definitely the one who's, like, perfected it, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. But you see, if you watch somebody like Adrian Broner, uh, you know Adrian Broner? Yes, yeah, yeah. So he's, didn't Floyd beat him in his, four, was it his 49th fight? fight? No, he didn't. That was Andre Berto. Sorry, Andre Berto, sorry. Yeah, we're getting into real boxing and racks Yeah, sorry, here. sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but... Um, I'd say someone like Adrian Broner tries to do the shoulder roll, but he does. He's no change up. But he's Floyd every now and again. He changes his hands up. He goes into peekaboo style. Yes, this is great radio kind of talk, isn't it? I'm showing you demonstrating peekaboo style is basically hands up in front of your face, and you peek under the gloves. Yeah, and so pe- which he did basically for the whole fight against, against McGregor. McGregor, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He kind of walked him down. He was happy to walk him down. Yeah. Didn't really. Didn't really try and be overly elusive. I thought he just walked him down to yeah. run him out of gas. I think it's fun. what. What do you think? Because uh, did you come up through Crumlin Boxing Club? I didn't actually. Oh, I never, right. Funny enough, I Crumlin Boxing Club. Even though because you're a Crumlin man, sorry, that's yeah, what I say. That, yeah, yeah, I'm from Crumlin, but I actually boxed around talent all my childhood. Then I went to St Saviour's, okay, on Dorset Street afterwards. Right, okay. But um, how come you ended up up there? Just like friends or family links in or? Dorset Street or wherever clubs oh, that you started. Yeah. Uh, I suppose I, where I live is kind of between Mount Talent and Crumlin Boxing right, Club. Right, okay. Yeah. So that just was the local one, and Mick Dowling was the coach there. He's kind of a, ah, he's a good name, you know. So legend, yeah, absolutely, legend of Irish yeah, boxing. Yeah, yeah, local, yeah. local Irish boxing legend. Yes. So that was obviously the pull to go there. Yeah, but yeah. also, I mean, Crumlin Box Club's a great reputation too, and Phil Sutcliffe also was a two-time mm. Olympian, and so I was there sparring all the time in Crumlin Boxing Club. Mm. But they were more the rivals. I boxed probably five, six different lads out of Crumlin Boxing Club mm. over the years. Did you ever? So did you ever come across the notorious? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. like yeah. in the bo- in the boxing world. Yeah, or just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And was he good? I at at the time, it's like it was. It was almost hard to. Obviously, to it's a long time ago. Very long like, time yeah, yeah. ago. So I remember when he started becoming. Like, I knew him from from early on. So when I start, when I first seen him come to prominence, it was almost, it was hard to reconcile that as the same human being I once knew because really every which way he even looked physically different. Okay, he seemed a kind of bit of a shy kind of lad. Yeah, very much wouldn't. Um, you know, wasn't loud or brash rat when yes. I knew him. Certainly not by any means. Yeah. So just every which way, it was just crazy to see his rise um, and his personality. Everything, everything kind of come out, and, and I didn't recognize him whatsoever. You know, it was just it was crazy. This kind of guy all of a sudden had the same name and comes from you know comes from the same area. So I knew it was the same dude. But apart from that, I wouldn't have wouldn't have picked him out of a lineup. He went and created this whole different thing, didn't he? Absolutely. But I mean, at, at the at the start. Whatever about like you know, he obviously he gets paid a an incredible amount of money because of who he is and his personality and the hype and the amount of money he generates for the for the sport and bums on mm. seats. But initially, he just was he was nailing people. He was going out and saying he was going to do it, and he was doing it. You know, and I think yeah. a lot of kind of a Mike so this Tyson, is even in boxing. He was kind of nailing not, people. Not, no, no, not in boxing. No, yeah, he MMA. didn't really win much in boxing to be yeah, honest. Okay. No, all right. MMA. Yeah, but a uh, bit of a Mike Tyson kind of vibe. I think that. You know, now he's been beaten a couple of times, maybe a slight bit of the 
intimidation factor is gone. Yeah. But I think people start believing what he was saying before the fights and they went in quite beaten before the fight started a lot of times. Yeah. Certainly Jose Aldo, I remember that one. It was just like Oh yeah. Absolutely, Jesus he was yeah. beaten fucking months totally. before that fight. Yeah, yeah. Out, like, you know. But with him also the, the I think the impressive thing with McGregor for me is that despite like he roils the people up like no end, but then when it actually comes to the fight, he keeps his emotions. He's yes. so he deals the pressure so He's well. He's cold. It reminds me a little bit. I remember seeing like um it was probably London twenty twelve before the big sprint. Is it what's what's the biggest one? Is it two hundred meters? What well, uh, the big the most famous sprint? You saying both? The, like, was a hundred meters? One hundred meters and the two hundred meters. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I remember beforehand and and um, Usain Bolt's big competition. Like before the before when the camera came up, he was like taking those deep breaths and right like, trying yeah. to zone in. He looked shaking with the nerves. Yeah, and then Usain Bolt was kind of Dancing rolling his around, eyes, yeah. sticking his tongue out to the camera yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Just really cool. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So that's one thing I will say for McGregor. He seems to when it comes to the big night. Mm. He doesn't fit, seem phased by the pressure whatsoever. Yeah, he does really thrive impressive. on it. Yeah. And what did you make of the of the Mayweather fight? Because what I find fascinating about excuse me about the fight is the way that a lot of certainly McGregor and his team will talk about it in hindsight, as if they want the rematch. Because you know, uh, I, I bet him in the first few rounds, but no, but none of them are being honest and going, "Yeah, Floyd didn't throw anything on purpose no, for the first I, few rounds." Yeah, no, I mean, I mean personally, I, I, yeah, it's just I, a bit of it's just like watching WWE. Really, I think Floyd it? just walked him down, and also, I mean, when have you ever seen Mayweather just decide to walk somebody yeah, down? That's why. Why does nobody in his team yeah, say that? I he, don't. I don't think he's seen any threat there. I think he felt his power yeah. force, and people say, "Oh, he was shaking." I don't think he was shaking whatsoever. No, I think he felt his power, and he's like, "Okay, like that's you know, it." Yeah, a yeah. big difference between, and that was eight ounce gloves, not ten ounce, which it should have been. Yeah, but it's still a big difference between eight ounce and four ounce gloves. Yes. So in MMA, I think like one thing Connor has is precision. Yeah. Rather than power, you know, yeah. even by his own. Um, of his own accord, like yes, he, he does he hit, say that. He yeah. says that he hit Aldo right in the point of the chin. That's the right, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Um, but the technique with the four ounce MMA gloves with the open fingers and all that, yeah. versus wearing eight ounce boxing gloves, you could see in the Mayweather McGregor fight his technique was awful for throwing a punch yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, a I lot of time he was throwing arm shots and he was worried yes. about his energy, I think. He's worried about his fitness. Yeah, yeah. What's his face? Tony Bellew was at it, and uh, never forget him being interviewed after that fight. Going, it's just there was, there was no competition out there. It was. Mm. Can't throw a punch. Yeah, <laughs> that's his like. He, he, literally, like, he literally can't oh, throw a punch. He just can't do it, can he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just is like that. That was awful. That was <laughs> awful. And it, it was. It, I mean, it was. It was. It was. It was an odd one. But um, anyway, so you so you started about you boxing about twelve years of age, and you, you mean you went fairly fucking heavy into it, Terry, didn't you? Yeah, I suppose there was a time in my life, like in school, and I, I left school young. I left school like sixteen. I was like fucking hated school man right. was a bit of a problem child what did you what did you do leaving school what did you go to I pursue? became I had a great plan of becoming an apprentice electrician and not fucking listen to a word anybody said <laughs> to me because I was going to be a pro boxer there was no need to listen to yeah, anybody yeah. I, so did, I, I didn't know you took that route I took the exact yeah. same route but went to you car did. carpentry did not yeah, either yeah. okay yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I dropped out of school and did carpentry yeah Yeah. did you finish your time uh, I did finish my time and uh, I, I passed all the exams bar mm. one a maths one that was fucking mayhem and I just never repeated it uh, but like okay. I, I did the practical which was like we did make a massive curved roof it was fucking hard to do right. and then this we had one hour of maths a, class, uh, maths a week in tech and then the fucking I swear to god Terry 75% of the exam at the end the final stage the was fucking was, was maths oh, was, oh sorry yeah. I was like we didn't get any fucking maths and yeah. I, I remember I got everyone to sign a petition and all saying this is bollocks we need to change the fucking <laughs> rubber rousing yeah but I, I kind of just had moved on I so for all intents and purposes you could be a proper chippy right now you could knock me up a fucking table or something like that or a no because cabinet. because yeah see that's see that's the kind of shit I would like to be able to yeah. do but that's cabinet making okay so like it was car oh so you so, might just sight work so yeah car 
Yeah. You join, basically, I could put that roof on that, that those lads did okay, there. Yeah, I'll be able yeah. to put the roofing on it. I'll be able to put all the stud walls in between. I could hang all the doors. I could do all the floors here and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Similarly enough, when I was uh, as an apprentice electrician, I was thinking, that sounds great. Nice, like, work a bit of domestic stuff, yeah, houses yeah. and world. No, I was fucking making, you know, cable tray and... <sighs> and uh, Conduit and all that kind of yeah, stuff yeah. most of the time. Where pulling in, cables in a, in a big yeah. Pull, see, that's what I hear about yeah. all apprentice electricians is the fucking bane of their life is just pulling cables. I just want to say, anyone listening, pulling cables is not a euphemism yeah. right now. That's 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 not what I'm doing. That's the uh, crumbling humor coming out there. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the bane of the life. You're pulling these big fuck off huge cables mm. through massive building sites. Well, making the tea initially. I'm making the tea. First yeah. of all, you have to rise up from being a tea boy. Yeah, pulling cables was a promotion. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> and that was. And where were you working doing that? I was I was in sites, uh, several different sites. I was in Weefield Prison for a while, actually. Oh yeah, geez. yeah, that was that was a that's right an I've, experience. Yeah. I've been there a few times for because I used to work with lads coming out of prison. So a lot of them oh would, yeah yeah because that's a holding prison. So loads mm. of them would end up in there. So you'd have to do the, go to do the court case. With well, them Clover Hill is the holding prison, isn't it? Weefield is they're actually sorry, yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's the same, isn't it? The same. They're um, next door. Next door to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's right, Clover Hill. Yeah, yeah. Those are the days. Fuck, great crack. So yeah, just pulling cables and sides. And did you finish your time? No, no. <laughs> how long? How far did you get? I got actually. I got into almost my third year. Right. So I could have just finished it out really, but I, I had no interest really. Yeah. So I, I again, I just wanted to be. A but pro we're, we're almost the same age. Do. There was a whole hmm. fucking generation of lads at the time going, "Why the fuck would I be doing anything in school? Yeah. There's money to be made out there." It's almost. It's not that long ago, but it's no. almost unthinkable now, isn't it? Like the, yeah. uh, leaving school, just turning sixteen, yeah. just turned sixteen. Like it's it, it's almost unheard of now. Yeah. That's true. Everybody was everybody was doing it at the time. And also, I can't say it's really held me back from what I wanted to do in life. Um, yeah. You know, even right down to, like, I, 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 I honest to God, I start reading the day I left school. Like, I start actually being interested in really bits of literature and, yeah, Really, yeah, so you absolutely. started getting into literature and the arts well, and that kind of yeah, stuff Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I Zero interest when it was being, you know, was being fed to me on a daily basis. Yeah. I just said, no, um, yeah, I just, I just didn't like school from day one, I think. Was it being fed to you though? Because I often argue because like with the with the lives that you and I have both had similarly between comedy and between acting and all that kind of stuff. Like I didn't grow up anywhere and didn't go to any school that had any of that kind of stuff. Mm. So was it that kind of thing or was it just, what you weren't ready for it at the time? Yeah, I suppose when I said being, being fed to me, I don't mean like these great, you know, seminal classics were being yeah. fed to me. Definitely not, no. I more meant I was just being kind of I felt like I was being indoctrinated, like in yeah, school. Yeah. I felt like I was being, you know, made fucking. Si- for for example, like the first my first week in school, I was four years of age. My mom got called up to the school my first week of school, and like um, my mom was like young, you know, she's probably like twenty seven or twenty eight when I think yeah. back. And uh, it's like, what's the problem? She says, oh no, he won't stay still, you know. He's up, he's acting up, he's talking out torn, he's giddy, like <laughs> basically being a fucking four year old. Yeah. How, how- <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> yeah, I can beep it out. Um, but <laughs> sorry, she's not grand, grand. It's two and a half. But it's funny that you say that mm. because I went to her ballet class yesterday. Okay, and literally everything that she's doing, it's just like I had to be. So basically, all the parents wait outside, right? Mm. But the first week she did it on her own, and after that she won't go in her own she starts crying so she's running up and down the corridor outside all happy about going into <laughs> ballet and then when we have to go in she starts crying no don't like don't like don't like don't like Miss Neve don't want to go in don't want to go in don't like Miss um, Neve yeah yeah <laughs> Miss Neve her name. name yeah 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 <laughs> but uh, 
Miss Neve is lovely. She's great. I don't know what it is about to something. And, and I was thinking yesterday, maybe it's because she's not used to taking instruction in English as well. Mm. Maybe it's she's too Portuguese in, yeah, in, in yeah. that element at, at her age. I don't know. But anyway, I went in. Yeah, so her mom had been going in with her, but I went in because I'm like, I'm going to help her get over this, you know. And she she participates for about 75% of the class. And then she takes a notion and goes, no, me no like, and wants to yeah. run out again. I just have a little chat with her and then put her back into the class or whatever. But same fucking thing. They're all running around clockwise in a circle. She runs around the other way. Everybody's standing. And she does have moments of completely participating. Mm. And she can do some of the moves. My girlfriend says it's because she's the youngest in the class because she's two and a half and the other, some of them are three and four and stuff like that. But like, she's literally just doing the opposite. And she's, okay, she's everybody gone, be she's quiet. like um, the bloke in Midnight Express when he starts walking the wrong way at the wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, 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 you can't. Yeah, yeah. It's all, everything like, you know, Miss Neve says shh to everybody and so okay. she starts going around to everybody. Shh. <laughs> everybody individually and stuff like that um, but yeah you're just being a four year old especially young young boys as well I think so there is there it's is a big difference man. isn't there like huge you know, yeah. man like all all her my daughter's friends are boys all the ones around here and some of them are a year older they're not half as advanced as she is but there's mm. just their brain is working differently yeah they're, it's like I remember like I've got two nieces and for the birthday parties when the boys get there all of a sudden it's fucking it's it's havoc like yes, do you know what I mean it's anarchy pulling, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah they're just fucking wrecking the place literally mm. and the girls thing is much more like you know you sit here and you sit there yeah much much nice much more considerate yeah, isn't it yeah, so yeah. I would have just been a quite a boisterous kid I suppose and I never I think I just from day one I hated school yeah I absolutely I didn't like school from day one I was like you know that episode in the Simpsons where they do flashback of Bart like all happy with a school bag right and from day one <laughs> like he just doesn't fit in so yeah, that was yeah. that was me and maybe you can relate to that too I don't know that's yeah well we, I remember being in two different schools I'm just worried that that my daughter's four, going yeah. through, the, through the, the well it was two different schools in primary school I think I did six in the end or something like that but hmm. I remember because junior infants I did in one school and then we moved and the second one just the stress of it at that age even yeah. it's just fucking ugh. but I remember even in junior infants I wouldn't sit on the side of the room I was supposed to sit on and I'd sit with the teacher half the yeah. time because I wanted to you know I just yeah. wouldn't do anything but yeah school definitely did not like, work for me you know either. I've got this this really strong memory and I guarantee I wouldn't remember any of this if I wasn't put by the wall but I remember for talking whatever, but I was like five you know I was in senior yeah. infants so I was five and I was being made stand and face the wall this almost sounds unbelievable now. It sounds yeah, like yeah, 1940s. It is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I remember well, they were watching this, watching a video. It was video, video room, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, yeah. So maybe it was quite far back when you said <laughs> like that. We were watching a video. It was this kind of metaphorical thing about like a religious thing it must have been, you know, where the sun and the wind had a bit that you can see, like, you know, the wind basically says to the sun, I bet you I can blow your man's jacket off his back. Right. You know, and all the wind. So the wind puffs and like, you know, blows its wind and the man holds the jacket tighter and tighter. Then the sun shines, it's warmed down. The man says, oh, well, I'll let my jacket go. And, you know, more or less you get more oh, true kindness yes. than with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I remember that. I, I can picture that in my mind perfectly because I was standing in the corner facing the wall while everyone else in my class, all 30 of them were watching this video. So, you know. So these you, little- even at that age, knew that the lesson that was being taught on the video about you'll get more through kindness and the irony being that you're standing at the back of the room with your face. I'm not wall. sure if I understood the irony at the time, right, but okay. uh, yeah, I think I was impressed there, Terry. Oh, do you know what? No, I did. I, <laughs> I did, did. Absolutely. I did. At I least on an, uh, an American kind, up to an American level of understanding irony, I had. <laughs> do do you feel? Cause I definitely have a chip on my shoulder and have. Well, I try not as much as I have 
as much as I can now. I'm in my mid thirties and tried to kind of go. I always kind of go. I wish I'd, I'd, I always had the chip in the shoulder. I wish I had the degree. You know, I would be somewhere else in life, or I wish I had finished school or whatever like that. Mm. Did you ever hold on to that, or did you just kind of crack on? And yeah, just I can't say I ever have. No, right. No, there's nothing I would. Do. I honestly, God, the only thing I would like to do in a kind of a normal kind of civilian job, say, would be the fire service. You know, be a fireman. This is fucking mental. You're the same. Man. I applied. <laughs> or the zoo. I applied. <laughs> zookeeper. And I a zookeeper's great yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a backup. I have a friend around the corner. I'll tell you about later. Wants yeah. to be a zookeeper as well. But um, uh, I passed the aptitude test okay. of the fire brigade, which is really hard to do. Mm. Yeah. And because uh, they give you the figures, so I think there was over five thousand people have done that round, and I finished number seventy something, mm. and they're only taking two hundred. And then that from that two hundred, they go forward to the panel for yeah. the interview process. And because I didn't have a junior cert, they wouldn't let me do. It. And I was just like, yeah, but I, I, I'm nearly <coughs> finished this, yeah, this carpentry th- apprenticeship, mm. so that counts in the same level. Like, no, nah, see you later, bye. Ridiculous. I was fucking yeah. gutted because to get past that point, like the aptitude test was so hard, and to score so highly, and it was like really cool. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, so I, I have a similar. Like, I didn't even do the testing the end right but if it's right. similar enough I, I got like so excited for a for a few months about the fire brigade because there was this guy uh paddy was his name he was like a he was an on-site doctor in the stadium the boxing stadium right and he also was like you know he was a team manager one time when we we boxed against them um, germany and belgium right myself andy lee was on the team and stuff we we're all right, so this juniors is when you're boxing to, for ireland which is fucking yeah, amazing yeah at the time yeah. yeah just wanted to throw that in you yeah know? yeah which we'll definitely get there that's fucking <laughs> amazing but. but anyway he said he just he came up to me dad one day weirdly and he says i maybe i was like 19 or 20 at the time maybe a little bit older actually 22 ish and he says is terry working at, at all is he and he says, oh yeah he's in this sales job and all he doesn't really like it you know and uh, he says come here because just because like he used to be an old uh you know, he's retired as a fire chief or whatever he yeah. was. And he said, would he be interested in the fire service at all? And my dad said, I think, think he would be. My dad, by the way, sorry, was one of my coaches. Right, years, okay. You know, right. Yeah. And uh, he said, look, I'll, 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 I'll talk to him. And he says, I'm at to coach a few people through the exam. And he says, I've got nine out of the last ten in. So um, would he be into it? So I met up with him, had a chat and all. And I was like, brilliant, yeah. It all sounded good. And then he was like, oh, you know, recession hit. So they won't be recruiting for two more years or whatever. So right. I kind of, that that's it, literally when I started uh drifting into acting and stuff you know so what age were you then 24 i suppose okay yeah yeah 24 24. do you ever talk to paul marsh about being a he's a fireman isn't he yeah he is i've never actually had a conversation with him about it because in 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 hindsight uh like while it's a great job it's a fucking tough job as well. he's a paramedic all right like so i think he would i I don't know i'm putting words in marshy's mouth here but uh i'd imagine he deals with a lot of Bad injuries and accidents, yeah. and you know, yeah. And so, so I'd say, and all sorts no wonder of he does fucking stand up. You know what I mean? As yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> just a bit, just yeah. lighten the mood a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned boxing for Ireland. I mean, what an achievement that is! That must be. You, I can't. Even, I can't imagine the pride that must be felt in doing that, representing I, your I country. Sp- well, I suppose to be honest, which it's one of those things where I kind of, I don't, I can't say I think about it an awful lot, but when I do. Well, hindsight looks better and better because of some of the people I box with, like what they've went on to. On to do. Like, you know, McGregor didn't box for Ireland, I yeah. suppose, but McGregor was around. Carl Frampton was in the same time as me, right. a couple of times. Katie Taylor was. Andy Lee. Um, they're all world champions, you know. Yeah. Then like Paddy Barnes, Kenneth Egan. Right, yeah. Darren Sutland. Uh, lots, lots of people who were Olympic medalists yeah, as well yeah. were around that around that time too. Yeah, and uh, so you do you represent Ireland like in, in world championships or European championships? No, or I never. Like so, that's the thing. I never, I never was quite. 
you know, it was very much B plus. I wasn't pro- right. I wasn't like the A uh, okay. the A side compared to okay. those. I boxed for him maybe fifteen or twenty times. Right. Overall, you know, and it was made. I won a multi nations tournament, I won a gold medal in that, won a bronze one time, um, but I never actually qualified for the actual world championships right. or the Olympics, obviously. Still amazing achievements, though. Well, ta. what kind of what kind of a boxer were you if you were to compare yourself? I was your a style? fighter, yeah. No, yeah. I, I suppose people would have would have always described me. I, I, I got quite offended because people would always describe me as just get stuck in kind of like right. go but it, which kind of I think your style reflects your personality sometimes and I was kind of a bit kind of hyperactive type right. kid and you know but I, I was obsessed with Ricky Hatton so oh, okay. I tried and I the met Hitman Rick, the Hitman Hatton yeah so I met Ricky in Manchester there. Did La- I met him in a, in a pub in Manchester I was over watching the Chris Eubank Jr. and George Groves fight was this recently? It was about two years ago, yeah. Right, okay. And uh, I met him there and I was like, st- like I don't get starstruck that often. He rolled know, over, really was. <laughs> he rolled over, yeah, he did. <laughs> but um, I bought him a point and shit, you know. I was like, Ricky, I must say, man, I, I think I lost about 10 fights because I tried to copy your style so much because <laughs> they didn't, they just didn't, they wouldn't give you any credit in those days for the body shots around like that right. in the amateurs, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I was trying to slip inside, do damage, you know, yeah. bobbing and weaving, ripping to the body, Going for power, whereas like a lot of people are kind of going adopting a more kind of a, a kind of fencing type style sometimes, yes. and they're the ones I really had trouble with, you know. Yeah, give me like a tall, lanky, awkward southpaw who would run and flick out the jab and hooks. I had problems with those types, right? Okay. You know, that was probably my light, my archetypal nightmare style. Yeah, yeah, because they're the long arms and they just keep you at bay. That and kind you, of you thing. Can't get like, stuck in. So basically, I'd feel I'd always have the feeling I'd wear them down eventually, but mm. it's only four rounds in the amateurs we had at the time. So I've watched a few amateurs uh, down the years, and like because it's only four rounds, it's so it's three fast. Now. It's three trees. Three, it was right. four twos at the time. So right, but it's uh, it's so fast. Yeah, like people are going hell for leather from the start. You know, yeah, that's they don't the, they don't pace it out at all. That's the thing. Like a lot of time with the pros, they do they control the pace a little bit better, and obviously yeah. they're they're just they've got incredible engines at that point. Yeah. By the time you fight ten and twelve rounders, you're you're just you're a different machine. But then, is it a huge is it a huge difference from the top level of amateur boxing to go pro? Is it is it that big of a deal? Or? <clears throat> it's less now than ever before because they have it's a bit of a cheat. Really, they have like what they call the World Boxing Super Series. Right, where they fight pro basically, they have okay. pro fights. It's six treatment rounds, and they fight the best amateurs in the world. Lomachenko had probably fifteen or twenty of them, but then he went pro, and it was apparently his first pro fight, which is a bit of a okay, yeah, yeah. bit of a fib, you know, in a way because he's fought at a really high level with no no even no headgear, no vest, no nothing. Right. It's a pro- professional fight basically, but it's not a uh, sanctioned as a pro bout. Yeah, they get paid. Everything is it's basically pro, but it's, it's great to watch. So if the World Boxing Super Series, they'd have different teams like um from Kazakhstan and from Britain and you could be you could be hired to play to, to fight for one of these teams the right. same way same way if you're if you're playing for Ireland and rugby say you still could play for someone in France you know yeah, yeah, yeah. the similar kind of thing and do you think he's up there Lomachenko by the way up there with the best ever or his style is very um, precise and very it's unique you know it's kind of yeah. an inter- interesting one but is he is he up there with the best or I think it's just it's very hard to say. I'd say talent and ability. Like yes, definitely. Okay. But I don't personally. I think I'm I'm big one. I'm big believer in longevity. I think somebody like say Sugar Ray Robinson at 202 fights, he didn't start. He lost more than most of his losses came in the like very much the tail end of his career. Right. Okay. And uh, 
you know, I, I just, I don't, I think somebody had, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but 20 fights or something like that. It's hard to call him one of the best ever. Yeah. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah. I think, talk to me so in sh- five he's shown ten potential, years. but yeah. They said, they say that all the time about football as well. Like, you know, yeah. is Messi as good as Maradona? But what blah, do you blah, think blah. about Messi and, say, and Messi and Mar- Pele? Um, Messi and Pele, say. Messi and Pele, um... But for me, uh, I'm, I'm sure maybe it's the same with boxing. It's so hard to to, yeah. to different eras. Different eras are completely yeah. different things, you know. Yeah. Um, Messi certainly skill wise was able to do a lot more than Pele, but what Pele racked up goal wise was mm. always impressive with what with what he did. Um, but he was in great. T- I I don't know. You're not comparing like what like that. No. Even with Diego and Messi, like if you watch, you can watch highlights of Diego in the 80s where they'll show you whatever game it is but mm. they only they've cut it so that's only time Diego gets the yeah, ball right of course, yeah. and what's interesting about watching that is he's literally fouled every time they are fucking yeah, out absolutely. to break his legs yeah, yeah, and like you'll watch a 90 minute game he'll have been mm. fouled 20 times in the first and half and it's the dude he's what before four three. he wasn't, wasn't he's smaller, big, he's smaller than Messi yeah 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 he's yeah. tiny um, and the reason, the reason, well I asked, time. <laughs> the reason I said Pele yeah was because to me Maradona is kind of a bit more of a you know, you'd know a lot more about this than I would, but a bit more of a Mike Tyson type where it's kind of the tragedy of what could have been kind of type thing. You know, he, he born yeah. so bright for... Yeah, yeah. For Although a, Messi a, a bit short more period. longevity than... Messi's had the longevity. and I and mean, uh, Maradona, sorry, more longevity than Tyson. Yeah, than Pele. Or than no, Mike Tyson. Maradona, okay, yeah. But um, Messi and Ronaldo's like figures are like just blow Pele and Maradona out of the water, I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, um, it was an interesting stat going around there recently that uh, oh, it was because Emmanuel Petit. It was a Petit, you know, who used to play yeah. for Arsenal. Mm. He s- he said, yeah, he said that Messi wouldn't make it in the Premier League because uh, in the same way that Ronaldo did, because Ronaldo was much more of a physical specimen, you know. But it was like Messi never, never has never relied on his physicality. Yeah. And then they pulled up the stats of the amount of goals that they both have scored against top six Premier League sides. Mm. Ronaldo has scored 28, Messi has scored 26, okay. and Ronaldo played in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah, for... <laughs> so it was just like, shut the fuck up, what are you talking yeah, about, yeah. you know? So for a guy who'd never even played in the Premier League, he'd scored nearly mm. as much as, as, as Ronaldo That's did. That's insane, yeah. It's a funny one. I, th- I think, yeah, they're, I think they're up there with the, with the greatest, for me, Messi, much better playmaker, going past people. Ronaldo did that earlier on in his career, but he's just a specimen of a machine, yeah. Ronaldo, you know what I mean? Like Ronaldo's so they're just a, not like-like, you know? Ronaldo's such a standout, but Messi can kind of galvanise a team together, I think, yeah. wouldn't he? You know, yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit more. And for me, and I mean, Ronaldo has done it plenty mm. of times in his career where he has scored extremely important goals, but he wasn't doing it as early on as Messi was. Oh, you <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't apologize. No one, no one can see me picking my nose there. <laughs> um, so how does boxing, how do you go from boxing into acting like was that a huge leap or is it similar or where did it come about for you um you know it's i i suppose i just slowly started getting interested in in acting i always i remember feeling like the first time ever in the school play when i was like five or six right i played zacchaeus in the play called zacchaeus up the tree because Terry's done him absolutely. Yeah, up there he's fucking jumping up and down yeah. the whole time. <laughs> I've got a bit of an expert in the Bible, actually. Yeah, I wouldn't say. Um, <laughs> I just remember the song. That we there was a song. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, nobody liked something like that. Oh, is that why you were Zacchaeus? <laughs> absolutely, no, yeah. <laughs> well, your teachers were assholes, man. Yeah, nobody no, likes Zacchaeus. Who could play Zacchaeus? Terry, get up that Definitely. tree there. That was the same day they had me facing the wall. Fucking there. hell! So you had an interest in it in school, anyway, in acting. I I mean, like for for like one play. I remember then before I was literally. 
my confidence was so shot that I got. I mean, we did like like a speech or drama competition where you had to read a poem, you know, and I, right. I adopted some kind of like you know, yes, really Dublin Four kind of voice, and yeah. I did a dramatic, dramatic reading of a poem, right? And I won it like a gold medal in the school. I was like, I thought in the I, fesh. I was. Was Whatever it, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah I was like seven or eight, well. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was blown away. I and then I realised the first person who slapped me over it, I was like, I think I tried to throw that medal out. My mom, my mom got out of being like, you know, that is fascinating. And from then too. on, I would, I would purposely, uh, I took a dive every time. Like, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't ever try and stick my head above the pulpit again when it came to any any acting or drama. I'm saying it's fascinating because I went to the exact same thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah because we, I went to a school that did do plays, and there was one year I played Curly in Oklahoma. And so that was a big part. Yeah, that would have been my role if I was in the the Curly. (laughs) But but I do remember at a certain point that it wasn't cool to do it anymore. And I was afraid of what what the other lads would say. So I just stopped doing it. It's nuts, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's crazy. But that's... Yeah, I, su- I suppose any regrets in life that I really have would be more about those kind of things. I remember, I remember one time, like uh, Mister Quirk, one of the few teachers I really liked in uh, in my old school at the time, and he says, hey, "Who likes who likes poetry in the class?" And I was put my hand straight back down, and nobody, like everyone laughed, and nobody put their hand up. And I still right. to this day, that's the kind of thing I regret. Like, that you did, yeah, that you didn't say that you did. Not like that it. I would be like a massive connoisseur of yeah, like, yeah. the arts, but I just I would I would have like yeah, I definitely would have a, had an early interest in poetry and and drama and stuff like that and, and English literature like very 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 kind of mm. small I, level stuff I mean you know but I remember in Declan's and Cabra I can't remember the name of the teacher but um, we had to read a, I didn't even I don't think I even understood at the time that it was a play I just mm. knew that we were reading something out in class as you always have to and they would pick who's reading you know you read the next line or blah blah, blah and all that kind of stuff but we were reading the what was I now know was, was famous Sean O'Casey The Plough and the Stars yeah and there was this character called Fluter, and mm. we had to Fluter, Fluter, yeah. So it came around, and I was the choral lad at the time who mm-hmm. just moved up a couple of years, and we had to read certain parts or whatever. And then it got to me, and I, and I started talking like that in mm. the voice, like that, blah blah. And the lads started pissing themselves laughing, and I just did it to make the lads laugh. Mm. And I thought I was going to get reprimanded, and the teacher laughed, and she goes, "Keep going." And I was like, "Oh, the, I'm allowed to do this." Yeah. And just kept kept reading the car, and the more the lines would come along, I would do different things, but whatever we're saying and all that kind of stuff. And she left after that term, and the next term we had another English teacher, and she said, "I'm reading the plow and the stars, and we're on page whatever." And there's a note here that Stephen Mullen is to read, and that was the first time that I felt, "Oh, I can do something." Mm. But even at that, you know, I would have been 16 at that point. At that, I never thought of that. That was a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't like a big. It wasn't fork in the Roman kind of fork in the road kind of seminal be, moment for you. Yeah, because I, like I'd never even been to a theater before, so I didn't even yeah. know what a fucking a play play was. Me you know neither. I, mean? I saw my first play. I was twenty four, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's something me something similar as mm. well. Uh, when I went to, on a back to education course, that I decided to go down to the Abbey Theater. Apparently, this is the National Theater. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No fucking clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no clue. So then, so then, when you when, so when does it come to you later on in life? Is it after the boxing? Is it? Um, I suppose I was. I got. It's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what happened. I remember watching this is as tacky as it sounds and like as as unromantic as this is. Really, I watched a fucking a TV movie about James Dean where James Franco plays him. Oh yeah, do you ever see this one? I haven't seen it, but I've yeah. seen trailers. It's a TV seen movie. It's not, not not a great movie okay. by any stretch. I just watched this movie and I was like, oh yeah, shit. I remember I used to want to be an actor when I was a child, you know. Right. And that's literally where the seed just got planted there. 
and slowly you just start to read uh, actors' biographies all the time. Right. I used to like, so instead of always reading Joe Lewis and Sugar Ray Robinson, Jack Johnson, Rocky Marciano books, yeah. like non-stop, which I always just yeah. devour in those, I start reading like Steve McQueen and James right. Dean, that kind of thing, you know. What's Steve McQueen's one? Like, I haven't read that Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll give you a lot. I've, I've read two Steve McQueen books. It's It's the best. Of any of the actors' biographies I've read. Really? Okay. It's brilliant because he had so much adversity in his life. He was dragged up, you know, and his, his mother was basically a hooker, you know, and yeah. um, he never knew his father and then right. abusive, you know, stepfathers. And he was like, he was in juvie all the time and he right, was going so into a career in crime. Like I doing, no idea, doing right. Doing hold-ups, not amazing, yeah. And um, he was hustling. He was literally doing the Joe Buck, Midnight Cowboy in the streets, you know what I mean? Mm. To, to survive. And no, it's brilliant. Just the tenacity of the man and completely dyslexic. I know a lot of actors are, but yeah. couldn't fucking read at all, but would make himself, you know, slowly, painstakingly, like, read scripts. And it was brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's really good. Right, I must uh, check it out. There's two great books on them. And what um, kind of age were you when you start, when, when that penny dropped again watching the James Dean thing? Again, I suppose like 23, 24, okay, something like right. that. So maybe it's 23. So I went to like a couple of little part-time courses in the Gaiety School of Acting. I right. remember even that. That was like one of the most nerve-wracking things ever, walking into really? that building and going, oh, there's a couple of uh, there, please. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was literally, I was so mortified. I thought somebody You're afraid of me. all the judgment. I was afraid somebody I know would see me walking out. Yeah, what and the I'd be fuck like, are you doing in there, Terry? Oh, you're the bleeding nonsense. What's the word? A pair yeah, of yeah. fucking toys, does he? Yeah. Do you know? So literally, I thought like, me telling the lads I was doing a bit of acting, that was... That was as big as coming out as being gay at the time. Right, in head, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, yeah, it was yeah. like it, I, I don't want to, to trivialise that because I'm sure it's a really tough time for anyone. Yeah, but yeah. I just mean to me at that time, I felt like this is like telling the lads I'm gay. I yeah. was so so afraid of so of, afraid of, of the of it, repercussions yeah. of it. Yeah, of course. And yeah. they fucking ripped me out. Of it. Did yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, rootless, rootless. But uh, slowly but surely, only recently now the lads are oh, fair play to tell you seeing them in, only recently. in that film or well. I mean, when I say recently, maybe four years ago, three, four years, right, when I started yeah. being in a couple of things on TV and stuff. Yeah. And then they all came to see me in the Abbey there recently. So okay, that was cool. Right, so yeah, yeah. that was that was a good little moment. Which is a big, a big deal for them, because like most of my mates, when, when I, like the couple of times I've been in the theatre, it's like I feel awkward even asking them, because yeah. I know they're turning up going, what the fuck is this about? Well, I remember I said to uh, to, to Graham McLaren, who's um, the guy who's, he runs the, he's running the Abbey as well, at, at the moment basically, but he was the director of the play, and I told him that I was bringing, for opening night, I think I had about 15 people coming in. Right. And I said, 12 of them never been in a theatre before, so, that's fucking great, man. That's yeah, that's yeah. what the national theatre should be about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so absolutely. Yeah, I, I that would have been my frustration in my my very short periods in theatre uh, companies. Is like, surely the onus is on you because because you know they're everyone's upset about getting arts funding cut and all that. Yeah. But it's like, surely your responsibility is to be getting everybody. Yeah, be making stuff to be producing stuff that is relevant to everybody, not just theatre yeah. fans. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame that they don't do. It. And did they enjoy it? They really liked it. I think that that was the thing with this play there. I think like a lot of people, a lot of, it was quickly reasonably well received, you know? Right. Some people really liked it. Some people really didn't like it. But um, for the most part, the kind of the everyman, it's a real Dublin play and it's kind of yeah. spoke to certain people who would have lived through that era, especially yeah. in the docks and stuff, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, some people loved it. And, and, and again, the people who, basically the people who the play was written for, most of them seemed to enjoy it. So that was... On that front, it was like a success yeah. anyway. And you and you think your mates liked it? Yeah, they did they because did, yeah. they would one hundred percent tell me if they didn't. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, 
Oh, that's fantastic, man. That's cool. So, I mean, you're like uh, we know each other from uh, the factory days, mm. which was a mad time. And but that, but but at that stage, you you had been to a little bit of like you'd done a bit of the gaiety and you'd done. Um, were you in that? That's I was cool. in Bolali. Bolali, that's yeah. right. Sorry, I couldn't remember the name. But <coughs> so, which I, was, that was a full time course for a few years, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. It still is now. It's it's unfortunately three got years. Like, is it? it was four years. So I didn't do four years. Now I, I did two and a half, but right. um. I had a had a <laughs> had an argument fair with a, with a director. And, Did you? Um, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that off mic. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. But you no, know, since it, yeah, man, he, he, he sound there was no yeah. big, no big no bad blood rat there. But May just, he rest in peace. I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was literally I'd found out that the day before that that I didn't get a part in love hate that I was let to, I thought uh-huh. I had I thought I was gonna get you know, um. So I was devastated. So just the first. The first kind of a uh, bit of conflict. I was I wanted to leave college at that point anyway. Yeah, I was ready to leave. But anyway, I I, I was it not for you the training type thing. You know, the first year in Bolatti was one of the best years of my life. It really was. I loved the first year especially. I got a lot out of it just by just by by virtue of being in there five days a week, acting every day. Mm. And it was like also I was like twenty four going on twenty five like yes. you know everyone else there's lots of eighteen year olds in the class there's a few people older than me as well fuck me I can't, the parallels in our life man yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't go to a, a, a it wasn't an acting course but mm. it was introduction to theater which was a PLC course yeah and as part of that there was a there was a morning a week where we did acting and that's yeah. how I ended up getting into it but I was twenty four as well yeah and it is weird hanging around a lot of eighteen year olds it was weird but also I kind of I, I it was great to have that feeling that I I'd been in the working world since I was sixteen yeah. so all of a sudden I'm going like oh fuck I feel like I'm a young yes. carefree teenager yes, myself now absolutely. so that was yeah, yeah. that was great to to just adopt that attitude for a while you yeah. know for as long as it served me um, yeah I suppose I just with Paul Ali I just I just decided to like I said I, I'd go to, I'd just give it a go I'd, I'd try full time and you know just kind of see where it led but I, I had my mind made up there like I still when I started Paul Ali I had my last ever fight in Belfast against a dude in um, Jerry Story's club. It's kind of around the Falls, Falls right. area, I think, you know. And did you know that was your last fight, going to be your last fight? Not really. Okay. I remember actually I had an elbow injury for a year or two before that and a kind of couple of wasn't in the best of form. And then after that fight, like I, I, I boxed one of the, the Upton brothers, which went pro actually under the aforementioned Ricky Hatton. Okay, right. And uh, the decent boxers, they, they kind of yeah. ran up, they have decent records and all, if you see them right. box rec, but um, after the fight, there was a couple of trainers going, right, you're back, you're back now, mate, you're, you're, you're looking good again. Right. And that was the last time I ever boxed. <laughs> 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 so I, I, I kind of, I, I was starting college a week later or so. Right. And I just, yeah, I just put all my eggs into that basket, I suppose. And the, the goal, with the goal being to come out and you'd be a professional actor at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The goal even though I've done like I've done a few plays the goal was all, and it was a theatre training course the goal yes. was always film right. the film and TV in my right. mind that's what I wanted that's what I I was you know captivated by as, as a child yes. upwards till now yeah which is which is a thing that again I, I bring back to the responsibility of theatre to, to kind of bring in everybody into it but when, when you're getting so many talents out of nowhere like yourself um, or uh, or for example a Barry Keown or whatever who mm. who like theatre isn't part of the world at all yet yeah. here it can be drilled into that you need to do your theatre first to get to the film and the TV which yeah. is just not true and the inspiration ha- for most young people from certain backgrounds who haven't been around any kind of a theatre world um, is that the inspiration comes from film and TV absolutely so we have to be allowed to embrace that yeah. and want to do and that and I mean I have I've come to love the theatre like, and I, and I 
Like that's one thing I'll always say theatre I'll never say theatre yeah, <laughs> Point of pride It's theatre I know a lot of people say, Oh the theatre darling oh, I'll Terry, the boards Terry But um <laughs> Yeah no I know a lot of people Who would say They'd have a flatter Dublin accent than me Then they Theatre Theatre I'm going to say Theatre Yeah they yeah. break They break their accent And say theatre <laughs> so, so I'm going to say theatre Theatre right But um, I make a point of it <laughs> But I've come to love the theatre But certainly You know it's been a More of a more of a grower, say, yeah. And just because I'd no, actually said I'd no, I'd no access to it. Like yeah, I'm sure, yeah, if, yeah. You know, if I grew up like in in the time when, you know, if a famous like that's the whole the whole point, a famous Abbey actor. Imagine like there was people like you know Donald McCann stuff. Like yeah. that. They walked into a pub and you know everyone every head would turn and know who it is. Yeah, yeah. Which just you just don't get that anymore with no. with stage actors. No. You know, it's a it's a funny old one, which is a bit of a shame, really, because there's some there's some incredible talent, you know, but just yeah. don't. Again, the every you know the your every man doesn't go and see a play, really. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Did you? Um, it's not cheap either, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's but, not. <laughs> but if you um, when you so if you drop out at uh, Bull Alley because of the love hate gig, is that at the same time that you get involved with the factory or the factory comes your yeah. way? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did how so. did the, how did the factory come up for you? So. The factory come up for me. I just I'd heard of, about it through the grapevine. I I knew Maureen a few times. I was in audition for right, with Maureen. For hate, obviously, yeah, she yes. just plucked me literally, like kind of you yeah. know, El Bull Alley, like out, which is kind of like, you know, we thought was big news at the time in my class. Nobody else was auditioned. I just sent her a couple. Of, it was ridiculous. Now looking back, I got my mate to take a couple of photographs of me standing against the wall, fucking all broody, you know, hands <laughs> in the pockets, <laughs> trying to look all, all mysterious, yeah, and yeah. Um, she called me in then. And I auditioned for that, and then I was like raw, and a few callbacks for a few things, but I never, never actually got on. Sorry, I did. I got a tiny part in Love Hate. Actually, I was in right. Love Hate, but it's it's quite it's very forgettable. Yeah. I've got about <laughs> six lines. Uh, what was what scene was that in? It is in it's in a pet shop. I'm selling budgies. Oh, and stuff. I remember and I that. Like, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember so, you, with Tom Von Lawler. Yeah, he comes in, yeah, and yeah. the very it's only memorable for this. It's not memorable. It's only notable for this because the very next scene. Darren Robert Sheen gets gets shot in the head and killed. Right, that's, that's right. the very next scene after that. It is it is actually a shame that you weren't in that more because I, I do remember that scene because I knew you at the time when that when it came out. So oh I yeah, knew, I suppose. So by the time so it was out, it would have been. By the yeah, time it was out, I would have yeah. known who you were. But you were such a. Um, I think they started to cast it better f- later it on, later on. on in the series. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because your character would have been, you know, would have fitted in much better with the world. You could see they were kind of ramming these middle class South County yeah, Dublin guys yeah, putting yeah. on. Okay, I'm going to be a fucking Northsider now, you know. <laughs> um, and you could smell that all over the show. But they well, moved away from that later yeah. on in the series. You well, know, there was. was I, I don't know if it ever came up again but Maureen did say to me that they're going to write me in for the next season Yeah, but you that, know but that just didn't happen obviously that's, that's a real shame yeah Yeah, but anyway what can you do I'm what sure you were up for it too yeah you must be I was I was up for it and um, I was only ever up for one part and I didn't get it and it was Pats who got the do you remember Pats who played one of these IRA yeah. brothers in it I was up for that but that well, was he, that's the same as he got the part I was up for as well yeah oh really oh, so, so you were up for the, the same part yeah, right, the, yeah. The, two, the two brothers yeah, yeah that meant the, but, but that was obviously just a complete change in the age thing then at that yeah. point because like Pats, yeah. Pats was what 50 <laughs> 60 <laughs> um, so yeah now, that, Pats is only around our age actually he's a, maybe two years two three years fuck older fuck off is he <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not going to listen to this <laughs> <laughs> but you know, 
this man of fucking look old as cunts. Uh, he definitely would have been cast older than me. Certainly at the time, because that's a long time ago. Yeah, now. no, he would have been cast. He would have had a different playing age, playing age than because his brother, because they were twins, and his brother was a big baldy fucker. As yeah, well, like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like sure, the two of us were fucking mid twenties at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have passed. Yeah, but I think we both would have passed for a lot younger than our yeah, actual age yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but it that 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 was it was it really and I think I did three callbacks or something which was a bit frustrating. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. So that, they took a while with those jobs, didn't they? Yeah. It was a weird one. Yeah, it was a strange one. And at the time, I'd, I'd you know, it just it we seems, maybe were going to be brothers, Terry. You never know. Yeah, that Jesus, would have been mad, wouldn't that, it? That would have been a closing doors kind of moment, wouldn't it? Sliding doors. Sorry for those for those of you who are closing doors. closing <laughs> the closing door indeed. <laughs> um, but uh, for those of you who don't know, sorry because people listening in the UK and stuff don't know. Love Hate was a very successful uh, crime TV series, gangland kind of uh, drama set in uh, Dublin. Um, that is available on. I think like it's on Netflix in all sorts of different countries now and all that. It's it, shown yeah. in New Zealand. Netflix, and, and, yeah. yeah, Netflix yeah. and uh, it's. Been, I think it was on Channel Five in the UK and stuff like that. But anyway, brilliant show. Which so that's the the show that we're talking mm. about. So it was a big deal at the time, and it was a big deal in, in actors' careers in Ireland at the time as yeah, well. Yeah, it was it? massive. It made a lot of people's career and made you know a lot of people a relevant face, a household name and yeah. face. Yeah. And um, every it was like the last of the of the shows where. Every Monday, the Daily Star, actually, whatever night of the week it was on, like, the Daily Star would ruin the fucking, yeah. what was going to happen. In yeah, they were talking start. about it in the papers all it the time. Insane, yeah. Non-stop. They would ruin the headlines yeah. in the paper, but that's the first, it was front page news the next morning, like, on yeah. a Monday morning, it'd be on the front, like, you know, top corner of the front page I would know. be a, a bit it, love hate. It's nuts. But, um, and, so, we're, we're fucking, look, we're flying through, Terry, we'll come to the end, but oh. I, I do <laughs> want to talk to you a bit briefly, so, uh, briefly about, because Terry, there's absolutely phenomenal film uh, a phenomenal performance i remember sitting because I, I had the weird thing of like watching the movie sitting next to you oh yeah uh, the, meeting, the meeting um and uh i remember the first thing i said i was so like blown away from the performance but what really took me aback is you you, you i think you rarely say this as a, if you're looking at it from any kind of acting point of view but i would never have been able to do that and what you did because so, it was such a heavy part it was so fucking mm-hmm. heavy um, but you did an amazing job of it. Well, thanks, it was man. Thanks unbelievable. So I, and I said it to you at the time. I was like, "Yeah, Gen- no, absolutely. Gen- this is not just like blown for, uh, away. <laughs> it was just like." Um, so, for those of you who, who who don't know, the synopsis of this is based on a true story where um, it's a really it's a, t- a tough uh, subject matter. But a woman um, is going home uh, from the bus one night, and she basically gets raped. And the meeting is about what is the name of this scheme again? Restorative justice. Restorative justice. That's so, right. So this whole method by whereby the victim meets the 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 person who did the crime against them, which is this uh, system that's been working in many different countries and has lots of positive results all over the place. Absolutely, but it's the first time it's ever taken place for a violent crime in Ireland's in history. Ireland, right. So normally it's for a trivial, you know, comparatively trivial a offense. misdemeanor, like exactly. a fight in the pub, or and whatever. in lieu maybe of a prison sentence, maybe the two. You know, two people get together and have a chat with some mediators in the room, yeah. and then they kind of they might you know get a reduced sentence or show some remorse, yeah. or they might just realize the impact they had on that person's life. You mm. know, even with yeah, a smaller yeah. crime, yeah. but this obviously was different. So my character, whose name was changed actually for the film, but everything else remains pretty much the same. Yeah, um, he served. I think it was eight years of a ten-year sentence at the time. And two years later, he met the girl Alva Griffith, who plays this. This is the crazy thing about this. This film. is the absolutely mental part of this film. Crazy. Yeah, 
the girl who plays her, the girl opposite me, the lead actress, she plays herself. She's the one that that was actually raped. She's yeah. the girl. It's her story, and she wrote well, she wrote the the film. I suppose like Alan Gilson, the director, who's a phenomenal director. He's done a lot of theater, a lot of film, a lot of documentaries too. Um, he wrote the film basically, but alongside Alva, and a lot of it was written from. I'm not going to say quite manuscripts, but from the actual meeting, the way it took place yes. in that room, yeah. and it played out in real time. So very much like a very art house kind of film, where it's very much fly in the wall. You're in yeah. the room with these two people, and the whole film is the is these two people in the room. Yeah, so that's the, myself and Alva, and then the just the mediators in the and room. The mediators there yeah. as well. What's um t- like? It's such a wanky question because they ask all actors this about mm. movies, but what was your preparation for this? kind of a role um, I suppose <laughs> literally like I watched uh, I watched a lot of fucked up documentaries and kind of people who were just in my mind I made, me, I made my mind up anyway this character was just a bit broken in the head in terms of the words are crossed and somewhere along the line he like like a lot of people a lot of serial killers get sex and violence and all this kind of stuff mixed up you know what I mean and it becomes they become weirdly intertwined so I watched a lot of like kind of like and read a lot of kind of Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer kind of shit, like, you know, so, watched a lot of documentaries you probably wouldn't really recommend to watch, to fill your mind with too much. Yeah. And, beyond that, it had to be my own creation as well, I suppose. Mm. You can't just literally go, you know, ask everything about what this character, what was he wearing, what was, you know, yeah. what's his star sign, yeah, yeah, you, you know have, what I mean? No, you have to go, like, you know, yeah, so it has to be, at the end of the day, it has to be day, someone coming out of you as has well. has to be, yeah. yeah, so it has to be, so, so yeah, I suppose I just I kind of went for a few walks and stuff, and I got me try to get me head into that headspace. Also, it was weirdly, and I think actually it kind of suited me. There wasn't much time to prep. Right. The auditions and then the film happened so quick. It was like such a blur. I was actually I was in in Benidorm on a session when I got a call to say I got the uh, got the role. Jesus. And this is only a few <laughs> days after the audition. So you're out partying and then realizing you're and gonna have to play this. Yeah, and even even for the audition, bit of a weird story. I turned up. I, I was sparring this guy who was going pro. I hadn't sparred a, a proper boxer in, in ages, and this guy was having his, his pro debut soon. He asked me what I move around with him, do, give him a bit of help. So I went and sparred this dude, and he's like, you know, considerably heavier than me, and he was fucking going full tilt. So I was going full tilt. So we got I got a smack of his. Head and we were both banged up I went to the audition with two black eyes basically wow and I went obviously the character I was just hoping it's kind of a you know the director would see I, I, I dressed it's it's weird because I remember I, there's a photograph at me of me from the audition room that uh, Alan put up a while ago on Twitter where I have I'm quite marked up in the photo like you know yeah and uh, I don't know if it added just to it just added to the yeah, whole vibe maybe so maybe wow. so there's a line at the very beginning of it where your character enters um, and the, the tension is fucking huge, especially knowing that the woman who actually ha- was raped, she's playing herself in the mm. film. The tension is massive. Your character comes into the room and I think there's like in between you and her opposite sides of the table, there's like four or five people sitting in between you. Um, and one of the early things that your character says is, I'm not saying sorry. Yeah. What, what was that about for you or do you know why he wasn't saying sorry or do you know what was going on there in that moment I suppose I do and I've also got my own kind of thoughts on that but I think that he just in in his mind basically I think like look I, I served my time I, di- I didn't come here to what he says actually he says I didn't come here to say sorry that's not why I agreed to do this right Um. so I think he wanted to he almost wanted to explain I know it sounds crazy like and I I he in his mind 
he thought this crazy thing happened to him too, you know, as yeah. if in his own mind he was acting so out of character and his life was irrevocably changed forever. And, um, you know, fucking nuts, really. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, to, yeah. to kind of think that she's going to have any empathy towards him. But in his mind, I think he thought that. But she kind of did, didn't she? She did. She did, I suppose, actually. Yeah, I suppose she did. Because, like, like, in hindsight now, we're having a conversation completely away from the whole thing. And to talk about such heavy subject yeah. matter, you, you'll be conscious of, like, Ugh. But there, there definitely was. That was so, so interesting about the film. There was to and fro for it because, you know, he does talk about, you know, his life or why he's broken... Yeah. He doesn't like say that explicitly, but he alludes to it. Yeah, and See, you st- you start to kind of feel that he's had a fucked up life himself. Well, you know what, man? I remember asking the director this question. I remember saying like, I can't understand why he would agree to do this. I says I can totally understand why Alva would like to do this. She wants yeah. to maybe humanize the, yes. the the villain. You know what yeah. I mean? Rather than the shadow in the dark, yeah. make him human and stare him down in the eyes and yeah. say, "I'm not fucking afraid of you now." Like yeah. you know what I mean? And there's a line in it where she says. Like it's like without getting too graphic, she said, I, I hid my eyes during what was going on because yes. I didn't want to see. Yeah. Not because I was embarrassed. And she says, I want you to know you didn't shame me. Yeah. So that was that she wanted him to know yeah. she wasn't ashamed. Like you didn't take yeah. anything from me. Um but I, I was like, I d I don't know why he would agree to do this. And I had to kind of we had to come up with our reasons why he would. But it was pretty complex. Like, you know, it wasn't Yeah, it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy. He was he's just he was an odd an odd kind of um Obviously, quite an odd, an odd guy. Mm. Um, they, yeah, they, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how I, it's it was a, I don't know where to go w- w- with that, but it was, it was anyway. I mean, mainly it was weirdly a as well. Amazing so did, performance. Well, thanks so much, man. But weirdly, he never did anything like that again or before. Yeah. So it it was just it was it quite, was out of character. It was out of character, it seems. Mm. But I think definitely he um, like. Yeah, like, I, I remember asking the director, like, I just was, like, I had a list of questions. We just met up, like, for like, just to rehearse, and mostly we just, I just asked him lots of questions. And I says, in your opinion, do you think he would watch, like, a lot of violent porn? And he just, oh, yes, definitely, like. Right, okay, <laughs> like so he's gone through so, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, fuck. We didn't even, I mean, we fucking run out of time, Terry. That was fat. We, we didn't, didn't even get to the comedy. Didn't get to the stand I, I don't even yeah. know how I could, <laughs> how I could segue <laughs> to so the comedy. Jokes that. With the but, that, but that's your fucking, that's, that's the amazingness. We'll like have to get you on again. But that's the, the amazing thing about what, what it is that you do to, like, you, you, Terry's a fucking stand-up comedian performing around the town all the time. Um, but, like, the other side of it is that you, you go deep into, into uh, roles like that as well. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's one, amazing. I suppose, at least on, a, on, a, on an end note then, on this same subject, some kind of, Sometimes one does lend itself to the other a little bit. Like, yeah. for example, like um, with this film, I remember the audition. After the auditions, Alan said to me, he says, like, Terry, like, you know, you can be confident because as soon as you walked into the room, there was no question. It was you. You were this role. I was like, oh, thanks so much. I was the convicted sex offender. As <laughs> yeah. soon as you met me, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is the weirdest so fucking compliment ever. That was the weirdest backhand compliment I've ever received. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine, you, imagine you're fucking taking that comment the look on your face going um, t- t- okay, thanks I, I yeah. think yeah. <laughs> right okay don't have to do with that right now but thank you listen man it's been an absolute pleasure thank you thanks so much the time me, fucking flew on that but thank you so much for coming ladies and gentlemen Terry O'Neill powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 